Uh, just a bit flat. We'll have another go. Flat. You ready? Yeah. I'm not flat. You're sharp. Oh, okay. Sure. I mean, <laughs> okay. Check out what I've got. No way. Gentlemen, this is the Agera Type F. Holy moly. It even smells nice. And this is the one you put us on the list to get? Oh, really? Well, I mean, the deal was only really meant for the press, but since we're podcasters, I convinced the guy to let us get one. And they just sent it out to us? Yeah! I mean, I can't believe how quickly it arrived. Can I? I'll go for it, buddy. Whoa! Is that... No. A a single piece? Yep. Single piece leather for durability. What's that on the back? That'd be the integrated solar panel that charges your phone. (laughs) That's not all. Check this out. It comes with a tote bag! That is a pretty impressive wallet there, Jones. Yeah, well, why don't you open it up? Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Let's see. Whoa! Oh, damn! Oh, 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 oh my guys. Guys, come in any other uh, well, I think we can Guys, go- we've got Dr. Carl coming in t- to be investigated soon. Oh, <laughs> we've got to get shaking. Come on. Uh, could we reschedule, baby? I mean, like, I don't think we're done here. Chief, he's an Order of Australia holder and literally a living national treasure. Uh, are you sure you want to do that? He's probably right, Chief. Uh, I know. What am I even talking about? Let's get him on the line. But we're leaving this out so we can look at it during the interview, okay? <laughs> Obviously. Dr. Carl, thank you for taking our investigation here. Have you actually had your wallet investigated before? Never, not even by the cops. Uh, Well then, don't worry. It's a relatively unobtrusive procedure. First step is to hand you over to Deputy Inspector Luke Gold, who is our sketch artist, and he's going to ask you a couple of questions about the description of your wallet. Happy to proceed. Fantastic. So we'll start with a nice easy one. Uh, What shape is your wallet? Um, Rectangular, about 10 centimetres by about 8 dark blue on the inside when you open it up, but on the outside, bright yellow with a bunch of dots at one end in some sort of artistic pattern uh, bought for me by my incredibly artistic daughter who started off doing design work, moved into zippies. Have you heard of zippies? No, I have not heard of zippies. What was zippies? Zippies are like onesies for babies, but with a zip instead of clips. And now she's moved into burly bras. Um, with Serena Williams as one of her distantly related clientele. And oh. she was the one who insisted that I should have this wallet by the simple process of buying it for my birthday and saying, your old one is crappy, give it to me, I'll throw it away. It's a nice one. So it's a bright yellow wallet. Fantastic. Well, that ticks off the next question and a few more. I mean, it'll be easily identifiable in a lineup by the sounds of Yeah, oh, did you wallet. catch all that, Luke? How's <laughs> the sketch going? The sketch is going wonderfully. It's the, it's the most, uh, most colourful so far, by, by far. Certainly do, but is there anything else that would distinguish the wallet other than, I guess, the, the loudness of the colours? Well, inside I've got a little mini Faraday cage cool. to of protect course. my RFID, PayWave, tap and go, yeah. 
cards. Interesting. Very interesting. You see, the thing is that there's various types of credit cards. Mm -hmm. They originally started off just simply as your signature was enough, followed by your signature in a magnetic strip, followed by the addition of a little chip, followed by the latest one, which is the RFID or radio frequency identification device, Mm -hmm. which you just simply wave over the reader and it says, ah, this belongs to Carl, it's under $100, here goes $35, gone, it's vanished. And about five years ago, um, being the sort of paranoid guy that I am, I was reading the proceedings of the latest Black Hat, White Hat conference, cybersecurity coming out of Las Vegas, and they said how they'd managed to build something into a camera that looked like a camera, and it was an RFID reader that worked not from a distance of a few millimetres, but from a few metres. Goodness. And as they walked through <laughs> um, the airport at Las Vegas, they were able to capture all of the supposedly secret details on people's passports, if they've got those RFID readable ones, mm-hmm. and also on a small number of people who have the, or who had back then the PayWave cards. Right. So today we have a situation where somebody can get onto a bus and as they walk down the bus in their little backpack, they have a little device which is interrogated and captured all of the necessary RFID details off your credit card so that they can then go home, make a copy of it, and then just start sucking money out of your credit card. Right. Start buying books I'm sufficiently and stuff. scared. I'm sufficiently <laughs> scared. Yeah. Gents, when you signed up to be wallet inspectors, I mean, this is the sort of stuff you right. should have Actual expected to be faced with. You're right, Chief. Yeah, but that so is inside horrible. that wallet, what I have, you know, the little sub-wallet. So this is the sub-wallet, right? Which has the, you know, the RFID PayWave cards, mm-hmm. and in there is a regular credit card. Then, oh look at this, University of Sydney affiliate with a library number. I love a library because libraries, after all, are the custodians of knowledge. Then another credit card on the inside, another credit card on the outside. Oh my God, Mikey! Your keys. Is Sorry, that a guy, a, a, Mikey? A Melbourne, Mikey, Mikey, M I K I, and then the New South Wales one. Uh, so that's for catching the trams in the New South Wales version, which is Opal. I've yes. just come back from London, so I've also got an Oyster, Oyster card Oyster, in yeah. there, yes. which I'll have to take out because sort of fatifying up my wallet. <laughs> Holy. Well, that is super interesting, and we have actually gotten into what's in your wallet. What do you think you could identify as being the oldest item in your wallet? Oh, the oldest item would probably be my Medicare card. Yeah. Standard, 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 standard. Okay. okay. Standard, yeah. What I've about- got a paper version of it as well as the electronic version. The paper version. Why? Okay. Yeah, I made a photocopy of it. My daughter's. Oh, That's right. right because they didn't send me mine, so I made a photocopy <laughs> of it, and then eventually they sent me the electronic, you know, the the plastic one, but I didn't throw away the paper one because I'm a sort of belt and braces sort of guy. Oh, and look at this. There's a health fund thing. Now this is a terrible sit thing. The health fund. Laying <laughs> on it. You see. Medicine is not a commodity like other commodities. Mm. For example, it's not like a car. So with a car, you know that you don't want one because you don't need a place to go to have sex. You can just do it in your apartment or your parents' house. <laughs> but I know, I know, I was, I was responsible for killing the car industry in Australia by... That is the only reason I have a car. Months. You're right, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In the old days... You, that was the only place you could have sex. So, and I wish you'd um, stop giving me lift stones. <laughs> oh, naughty, naughty. So with a car, Sorry. you kind of know what you want. 
if you're a young person, you want a sports car or a zippy little car for around the city. If you're a boring middle-aged fart like me, you want a station wagon for the kids and everything. But with medicine, you don't know what you want. Hmm. All you know is that you have a symptom, sometimes pain, and you want it fixed, but you have no idea whether you've got cholecystitis or appendicitis or liver cancer. You've got no idea. And so there's been a long history of people who have specific knowledge of medicine. And they go back to the ancient herbalists and the witch doctors and the shamans going back thousands of years. And these people would have specific knowledge which took them decades to learn. You don't pick up this sort of stuff overnight. You don't do a naturopathy course for six weeks every Tuesday night for two hours and then suddenly you know everything about the human body. It takes a long time. And then these people would be a person of respect in the community. They'd be comfortable in terms of money, but they wouldn't be fabulously wealthy. If you want to be fabulously wealthy, you'd be a merchant. And providing we've got a government-organized medicine, I think everything works out okay. But the moment it privatizes it, then there are people in between trying to get money out of you. And I don't like mm. private medicine because I think it's inefficient. I like public medicine. And I think it's a real shame that I have to have a health fund card, but the government forced us into it. Hmm. That's an interesting point you raise. I have never, re- I learned a lot from that. I have never really thought about it, but yeah, that's a good point you raise. I've got a travel card left over from my recent trip to Europe. So we went uh, on our last little holiday to Madagascar and Zimbabwe, and then to the uh, capital cities of the countries that colonised them, being Paris and London. <laughs> And in each case, what happened a couple of centuries ago was that our various ancestors went into these poor countries with vastly superior weapons technology, Hmm. took over the country, killed everybody who wouldn't obey, pillaged the country like crazy, took out all the wealth. And when they were forced into independence to give grand independence back, they made sure they set up dictatorships that basically still kept the money flowing to the mother country. So Madagascar, 10th poorest country in the world, average income, $1,200 a year. As you go into Madagascar, you just weep. If you've got a heart, you'll cry because you just see the grinding poverty. And then Zimbabwe, previously Rhodesia, owned by the British, um, handed over to Mugabe, who was a tin pot dictator. Country's dirt poor, average income $2,000 a year, but only 5% of the population earned that. And the other 95% are unemployed. And the country's so badly run that uh, with the disagreement with the science of AIDS, they end up in a situation that one-third of everybody in the mid-1990s had AIDS. Goodness. Yeah, I know. So that's the legacy we left there. So that's the travel card which um, gave me money so I could travel to these parts of the world. Is there any any sort of – what's the thing that urges you to go to places like Madagascar and Zimbabwe? I mean – I wanted to go there because I'd never been there before. And it was very disturbing. Have you you been to India at all? No. Well, in India, the first time I went there, I just burst into tears. Mm. So you get off the airport at Kolkata, Calcutta, in the old terms, Kolkata, current old name. And um, you walk out at three o'clock in the morning through this incredibly dingy, dirty, smelly airport through a parking lot with broken concrete everywhere. And then as you head to the bus, which is taking you away at 3 o'clock in the morning, you walk past a three-year-old girl who should be in bed wearing something pink, Mm. who's holding her one-year-old crippled daughter, her crippled sister, sister and begging at 3 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, it's just terrible. And Madagascar's like that and Zimbabwe's 
almost like that. So it's good to go there. And, and by the way, when you do go there, take a couple of kilograms of pencils with you and paper oh, yeah. and just give it away. Like I, I went to some hospitals. They didn't even have running water. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's good advice with the pencils and paper. Yeah. I would no, I would never think to do that no, in that like a hundred years until I went there myself. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, we've we've obviously learned a lot about how you travel and, and the amounts of perspective that you have in regards to sort of issues around the world. Are, are there any specific souvenirs that maybe you keep in your wallet from any of these trips? Uh, I've got a secret compartment, which is not very secret. Not and <laughs> in there are photos of my son and two daughters and my wife and sometimes when I get lonely on the road by myself I take them out and just sort of strew them across the desk there's a driver's license of course for New South Wales a couple of more credit cards some Australian money before that I had some French money the uh, euros and the Great Britain pounds there's a a couple of taxi receipts taxi receipt Ah, and oh, this is interesting. Some oh, for flowers, a receipt for flowers. One of the people at work has been really helpful to us and has been flicked. Um, Don't ask. Wages in Australia have not gone up in the last five years. Okay, Mm. now if you follow Oxfam, O X F A M, Mm. and just look at for what's happening with wealth, what you'll find is that way back. In the year 2010, it took 345 billionaires to have the same wealth as the bottom poorest three and a half billion people in the planet. 345 um, people. Yeah, but wow. over the years, it's dropped to 85, 67, and as of March in the year 2017, so much money has flowed to the billionaires that it now takes eight billionaires all white, all male, to have as much wealth as 350,000 million humans. And when you consider that in Australia, real wages have gone up by about a cup of coffee since uh, last year, but uh, house prices, medical costs, etc., have gone up significantly more than that, we've been ripped off. And so we've just had a high court ruling that there's no way that Australia can afford to run, uh, so we can't have extra wages for people, we can't have Sunday uh, penalties, but hey, the big people like running government organisations, semi-government organisations are taking away a retirement package of $5 million, Mm. and it's a well-known tactic that um, with CEOs of companies, they go into companies and then they improve the share price by the following. They firstly stop all maintenance. So everything's okay for about six months uh, and then it starts to get more expensive but for the first six months they're okay. Then they start a share buyback scheme. So the share price goes up, then they retire and because their um, payout is linked to the share price, they walk away with a couple of million people. Meanwhile, you and me, we don't get enough to pay for an extra cup of coffee a year. It's a rip-off. We are being, so anyway, this person was being ripped out of being let go, as it were. That's the euphemism, fired, yeah. uh, let go. And so we bought her some flowers to say goodbye because she'd been so helpful to us and knew all this sort of stuff. It's weird. Like in offices, there's a lot of hidden knowledge that exists inside people's brains. So they know that if a new person comes in and they want to be able to print to that printer, well, that one does not have a dynamic HDCP address. It's got a fixed IP address and they clear it into your computer. There's all, all this sort of stuff going on. 
that um, you lose as soon as you fire people and then you hire in people who haven't even finished school and they know nothing. Exactly. Big difference between knowledge that was nice and, and cheerful, intelligence. Wasn't it? <laughs> no, man, we're oh, loving yeah. it. I mean, knowledge it's... and intelligence are very different things. Yeah, I, I, I relatively knowledgeable. I'm quite knowledgeable, thanks to my 25 years of education. And thank you very much, Australian citizens, for paying for my 28 years of education, which began in baby jail and finished off with 15 years at university. Mm-hmm. And that was from a time when we saw education as a worthwhile investment in the future of the country mm. rather than as an intolerable burden. Exactly. Bummer. Exactly. Well, education right. helps out everything. I mean, like, how do you lose by having a smarter population? You don't. Uh, my brother-in-law went to Germany, of which he is not a citizen and has never been there, and was able to do a master's degree in Germany for free and then start on his PhD just recently. For free, there are some countries in the world that still see education as a worthwhile investment, and even if it's somebody who is not of your country, they'll yeah. think fondly of the mother country. So if they come here from Vladivostok or Zimbabwe or Egypt or America, they'll think, oh, "I had a good time in Melbourne, in Adelaide, whatever." Hmm. Well, uh, I reckon that will about do us for the investigation. It was a very thorough, if not sobering, investigation. We want to thank you very much and very deeply for your time. Well, I hope I wasn't too much of a bummer, man. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We, uh, Some of us youngsters need a a good clip around the ears and understand uh, the way the world is going. It's easy to get distracted in all the the toys that we've got these days, but sometimes, especially a man who is respected and as educated as yourself, really taking your time to sort of talk to us and, and explain to us in a way we can understand exactly what's going on in the world we really appreciate and we appreciate you giving us your time well if i can give you some unwanted advice go for politics one of the um best things that the politicians ever did was convince you that you don't want to get into politics and that means (laughs) that you're on the outside of the tent uh urinating in as lyndon b johnson (laughs) said instead of on the inside of the tent urinating out you're the one shouting at the tv for the the latest crazy decision that's been made instead of being on the tv making making wise decisions and we still have politicians who deny that global warming is real Mm -hmm. and we're making terrible decisions based on that Mm. and we are looking when you include the positive feedback loops of a five to eight metre ocean level rise. And straight away that means that the cities will have to put up sea walls. Um, Ports that are ports will no longer be ports because they'll be the wrong height, but other places will become so. And many smaller areas that are on the ocean don't have the tax base to pay for it and they'll run away. And none of the cost of this will be borne by the electricity or fossil fuel people. So go for politics. Remember, in some parts of the world, power grows out of the barrel of a gun, but in Australia, it grows out of politics. Get there into the parliament, and instead of having one vote out of 25 million, you'll have one vote out of 150. We thank you so much for your time. Dr. Kelly, I'm ready to run through a brick wall for you, mate. I'm I'm (laughs) pumped. Thank you very much. Okay, see you later then, guys. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. See you, mate. See you, Kyle. Bye. Bye. Well, there you go. Yeah, that was a lot to take in. Uh, hey, thanks again, Chief, for letting me get that wallet. I'm surprised we had enough money in the budget. <laughs> hey, don't even w- budget. Yeah. Why are you looking at me like that? I thought you said this was the one that they were sending out to the press. Yeah, it was a press release. 
the new wallets are out and they're releasing them to the press. That's not what a press release is. You read a press release and said that the Type Fs were out and you thought that the advertised price was only for the press. Uh, yeah, I think we're making the same point. What? No, there was no deal for the press. That was Whoa, just whoa, whoa. Pri- did I pay for this? No, the department did. And I used the card you told me to get as well. You know, I, I figured it was a department card or something. I thought you meant my ID card. Wait. We can pay for things with our ID cards? No, you said it was a press-only deal, but we might be able to get in if we're podcasters, and you'll need my card. Uh, why do you think he needed your ID? In case they didn't believe he was a podcaster, and he could go show the Agera people my ID, and then, you know. And? I'll make him think twice. It would make him think twice. Uh, (laughs) Alright, Jones. What's the damage? How much did it cost? If you enjoyed this episode of The Wallet Inspectors and haven't already done so, why not leave us a rating on iTunes or tell a stranger about the show? This episode was written and edited by Michael Wilkins, who, also alongside Alex Jones and Luke Gold, created and started it with special guest Dr. Carl. We had to say Dr. Carl because I struggled to pronounce Krishlnitsky. Wait! Did we get that?